God is good. Amen. Amen. Oh, I like it. A lively church this morning. Woo. Got some voices out there this morning. So if you got your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. I want to talk to you about death. No, I want to talk to you about going from death to life. That's better. Going from death to life. I don't know, sometimes you get up in the morning and you feel like you're dead. Sometimes I see people walking around. You ever, you ever gone to, gosh, we are going to talk about food again. You ever gone to Dunkin' Donuts in the morning, early in the morning? Like sometimes when I'm driving to work at like a quarter to six in the morning, and I'm driving and I go by a Dunkin' Donuts, and I see some people walking in there, they look like walking zombies. <laughs> they're barely moving. And I think they're waiting for their coffee. You know, they didn't make it at home, so they had to go to Dunkin' and get it. And so they're, they're waiting and hoping it's going to spry them, give them some juice to get moving. But I, was, I could tell a Mountain Dew would do the same thing. It just wouldn't burn your lips. You know, it's got the same amount of caffeine and, and then spark you up and, and get you moving. Amen? Oh, boy. Everybody at John chapter 11? Great. Let's go to verse 38. Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. And it was a cave, and a stone laid upon it. And Jesus said, Take away this stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he may have been dead four days. Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou would believest, thou should see the glory of God? Now, Jesus refers to this early on in chapter 11 when Martha sent for Jesus when Lazarus was sick. And we'll, go, we'll talk about that in just a few minutes. Then he took away the stone, or excuse me, then they took away the stone from the place where he, where the dead was. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heardest me, and that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth! And he that was dead came forth, bound, hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was bound about with a napkin and Jesus said unto them loose him and let him go father I thank you this morning for this message I thank you Lord God for speaking to us this morning and Lord I pray these words father this morning let them change our heart let them change us, Lord Jesus. Let it change our walk with you. 
in Jesus' name. We read a story, just a small part, about where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Some of us need a fresh revising. Some of us need to be raised from the dead, if you know what I'm saying. Some of us have gone silent. Some of us have grown cold. And so Jesus is calling us to come forth. Jesus is calling us to get beyond that place. But if you kind of flow back and start setting this up, it actually starts in John chapter 10. And I think it's a good background for this scripture text this morning because we also see in John 10, 25 that Jesus was about to be stoned and he had to depart to another place. But Jesus, he receives a call to come to the aid of Lazarus because Lazarus was really sick. And so his sisters sent for Lazarus to come. He's sick. But this is, if you go back to the beginning, in the beginning of 11, chapter 11. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany in a town of, in a town of Mary and his sisters, Martha. And so they sent for him. And they said, Behold, the one that thou love is sick. This didn't catch Jesus by surprise. When Jesus heard this, he said in verse 4, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified. See, that's where Jesus mentions it the first time. He says, that he's going to be glorified. He's not sick unto death. A lot of times we refer to people when we picture their sin that they're sick unto death. A lot of times we say, oh, they'll never change. A leopard never changes its spots. But I think what we fail to realize a lot of times is Jesus has the power to move the spots. You see, we, we only look with the, only, the natural, the human eye, but all of us forget to look who's really in control here. Jesus is the one who's in control. He's able to move when we think that there's no hope. So the responsibility of the disciples here is to bring life. Remove this stone, Jesus says. Well, let me ask you this. Why didn't Jesus just remove the stone? He had the power to say, stone, roll away, and it could have rolled away. Right? But he didn't do that. He chose to use his own. See, if... if Enough people would get up by the stone to roll it away. People would notice that something is happening. And so he gets the men to remove the stone. You see, in the Jewish custom, they believed that once the body was dead four days, there was no way for it to come back to life because the spirit had left the body. 
They believed that after the third day, the, the spirit had departed from the body and there was no chance of revival. No chance for it to come back. It's gone. That's why their custom was not to bury until the third day. Because there was a chance that the body could come back to life. But see, on the fourth day, even medical people will tell you on the fourth day, your body starts decaying. Gases, uh, this is gross, but gases build up inside of the body. And so the body starts to rot. It starts to, as Martha so eloquently put, stinketh. Gases were coming out of the body. It's not something you really want to talk about when you're thinking about lunch. They said it's four days. You're removing this stone. If you'd only come a little sooner, he would not have died. We could have avoided the whole funeral business. We wouldn't have had to call the undertaker. We wouldn't have had to wrap him up. We wouldn't have had to put the, 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 the spices on him and all those things to prepare him for death. We wouldn't have had to do any of that stuff if you just would have come a little sooner. Some of you here this morning are saying, I needed Jesus to come a little sooner. I've been facing some things. I went through some things. And had only Jesus showed up a little sooner, I wouldn't have had to go through all these difficulties that I have faced. Jesus isn't late. He's not late. You may think he's late, but he's not late. You see, the Great Commission was not given to angels, but for his disciples. Our Lord Jesus Christ gave the Great Commission to his disciples. Who are his disciples? Well, let me tell you who his disciples were and who they are. They're you and me. We're his disciples. We're the ones who are supposed to be delivering the Great Commission. We're the ones he told to go into the highways and the byways and to compel them to come in. Anybody see any angels going around delivering that news? Maybe you ran into one in the street. I don't know. But no, we are his disciples. When you came to Jesus and you gave your heart to him, you became one of his personal disciples. And therefore, we should be delivering the word. You see, I find that gravestones are quite interesting. Sometimes humorous. You ever gone to a cemetery just to read some of the things that people put on tombstones? Crazy. I read you one last week. Remember the one I read you last week? Here lies a man who lived to age. Yet still from death was flying. Though sick, was never well. And died from the fear of dying. The most common quote on a tombstone is R.I.P. As a kid, I used to think, why would they put rip on a stone? 
It wasn't until I understood that it was rest in peace. But you know what? If you're a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't have to worry about resting in peace because once you close those little eyes and you open those little eyes back up, you're in the presence of Almighty God. Hallelujah! You don't have to worry about what the body's resting on because it is peace. There is peace. I read one that says, the, the body may be here, but the soul of our departed is with the Lord. Amen. I read one that says, home with the Lord. I read one where her mansion was finally finished. When I read that, I thought, wow, he was waiting for her to go. Finally finished. And then I've seen where the, the, these stones, they have pictures of people on them. They're into that now. They put the pictures of people. And some of the pictures you see, you can tell that they were recent pictures of older people. And then I saw some were pictures, and they, they took a picture of somebody when they were in their like late 20s. And I'm like, now you know. When you look at the stone and you see that person's like 85 years, 90 years old, they don't look like that young picture that's on the stone. In no way. I said, that's a vain person. They didn't want to show the wrinkles. But I thought, after I looked at that, I thought, well, maybe that's what they look like in heaven. Young like that. We don't know. But there are all kind of things that we see on stones. But symbolically, that stone stands for anything that stands between the lost person and Christ. Perhaps there's a stone rolled in front of your heart this morning. Maybe it's because you have a temper. How often have you checked yours? Perhaps that stone represents your tongue. Foul language. You know, the, the word says the, sharp, the tongue is sharper than any two-edged sword. Maybe it's your habits that are unpleasing to the Lord. Maybe that's the stone that's blocking your relationship with the Lord Jesus. Perhaps it's hypocrisy. There's, there's amazing, it's amazing how the tongue can get us in a place with that... that that blocks us to have a, a beautiful, perfect relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Perhaps it's criticism. I know a lot of people who are critical. Matter of fact, I had to ask my wife to forgive me. Because I was critical. You know, usually it's the husbands that are most critical on the wives. She worked real hard cooking me this beautiful dinner. And I cut off the wrong piece of meat, and it was like real gristly, and it was like chewing shoe leather. And I said, this is tough. But I didn't realize it wasn't her fault. Her husband bought the meat. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? 
See where I have to go? You see why you have, men have to eat humble pie sometimes? I thought, man, this is a good price. $4.99 a pound for this meat? It's got to be good. <laughs> no. That was $4.99 worth of gristle. And I paid the price for that. Perhaps it's unbelief. Perhaps you have a stone in front of your heart of unbelief. Not trusting wholeheartedly in the Lord. You know someone who's sick and you go up and you, you pray for them. This happens often too. I've had people say, now if you're going to pray for them and you're going to believe with them, believe and pray for them. I've gone and I've had people literally helping me, praying for somebody who's deathly sick. And we could leave that hospital room, we could be walking down the hall, and that same person who just prayed for you said, they'll be dead tomorrow. God can't heal that. That's, they're gone. They're just like, got a foot on a banana peel, and the other one's in the grave. And I'm like, What? We just believed that God would touch this person. Well, yeah, but that's, it's just not possible. You see, I believe that when we pray for someone, we have to believe what we pray. When we're asking the Lord to do the supernatural, we're asking the Lord to do something supernatural, then we have to believe it with all of our heart. And if you don't believe that, don't pray for them. They don't need your help. People want hope. It catches me. Some things about people who claim to be born again believers in the Lord. It, it catches me off guard when, when they say things to me. I'm like, what? Where did they get that from? You know... The word says, without faith, it is impossible to what? Please God. That's why we live by faith. That's why when you do things, you do things by faith. You step out in faith. You're, you're pleasing God when you're saying, I trust you. I don't have it, but I trust you. I can't do it, but I trust you. I don't know it, but I trust you. We're always telling God we trust him no matter what our situation may be, no matter what direction we may be heading. It's all about our faith. You came to salvation by faith. Jesus didn't show up and speak to you personally. And stand right in front of you and say, now are you ready to give your heart to me? No, you took his word. You read his word. You had somebody who believes by faith. Lead you in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the resurrection itself was entirely by the power of God. A great miracle. Dead four days. And this is an impossible accomplishment. For Jesus to say to roll away this stone. He tells him, roll away this stone. Now we know that in those days, the, the grave 
was generally in a limestone cave. And you know what? In those limestone caves where the bodies were, there, was, there wasn't just one body in there. There would be several bodies in these tombs. Now, what if Jesus had been standing before the tomb and said, Dead, come forth. Everybody in there would have came out. You see, I believe that when we're talking to God about something, we need to be specific about what we're asking for. Don't say, well, Lord, if you, if you can find it in your time or you can find it in your will to help me out here, I really would appreciate it. Come on. Don't pray amiss. Be specific about what you're asking God for. Martha and Mary, they tried to stop Jesus. Uh, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, he's already dead. He's already dead. He's already gone. Jesus wept. I always think Jesus wept because Lazarus was dead. I think he wept because of their unbelief. Because they tried to stop him from doing what he knew he needed to do. Because he wanted to what? He wanted to demonstrate the glory of God. He didn't say it once. He said it twice. So as the stone gets rolled away, we begin to see what happens. We begin to see the miracle that takes place. When Jesus calls out with a loud voice, I figured it was loud because his head was all wrapped up and wanted to make sure he could hear him. No. He said it because of the multitude of people that were there. He wanted them to hear what God was going to do. Lazarus, come forth! And man, don't you know, death trembled. You see, even death has to obey God. Death has to obey Jesus. He has control of everything. Victory over death in the grave. You see, nothing escapes the Lord. Nothing. Not even death. We can't save anyone ourselves. Only Jesus can save. But we have to just give out the word of the Lord. You just have to give the word to someone else and then trust the Holy Ghost to do the saving. How many trust the Holy Ghost this morning? I trust him implicitly. But now Lazarus has to be released. And this was done by the disciples. He was alive, but he was bound. I know there are a lot of Christians who are alive, but they're bound. They're bound because they haven't totally been set free and they haven't been totally delivered of all the things in their life because they're holding on to things. I'm telling you this morning, if you want to be set free, then listen to the Lord because He's already called you. You've already heard Him. He's, he's told you that you've been set free. Now you have to let go of everything that's keeping you tied to this earth. When I think of 
the appearance of Lazarus coming out of the tomb with a little wobble, tiny little steps. He was alive. The people that were standing around could only be amazed. I'm sure some were not wanting them to take the grave clothes off because they were afraid what they would see underneath. But what does Jesus tell them to do? He tells them to remove and let him go. I think some of us are carrying grave clothes today. I think some of us are bound by our grave clothes and we're not letting go. He was showing signs of life, but he still carried the appearance of the grave. When I think of the grave clothes that need to be removed, I think of the face because the eyes behold the glory of the Lord. Your mouth speaks for the Lord. Your arms are to do work for the Lord. Your feet are to go for the Lord. There shouldn't be anything in your life that is, has, has you bound and keeps you from doing the things that God has called you to do. I'm sure that when Lazarus came out of that tomb and they unwrapped those grave clothes, what would Mary and Martha do? But rejoicing in the Lord. How many of us are rejoicing this morning? How many of us got up this morning and said, Thank you, Jesus. I love you so much. Thank you for this beautiful day. Come on. I don't think very many of us did that this morning. Right? Oh, this hair. What am I going to do with this? It's sticking up all over the place. Hey, is that coffee ready yet? I got to liven up. Hey, I got to get a donut. Hurry, would you hurry? I got to get the chair. I got to have my donut. I got to get a little sugar in me. We got to rejoice in the Lord. You hear me? We got to rejoice in the Lord. Every opportunity we have, we need to be rejoicing in the Lord. We need to be rejoicing that we're not on the, the bottom side of the green. We need to be rejoicing because we have opportunity now to go outside and to witness to others the love of God. We need to rejoice in the Lord because we have the opportunity to deliver souls. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. So much so that he went to the cross for you. You see, the only difference between Lazarus and the Lord, because we know that Lazarus wasn't the first one who was raised from the dead. There was Jairus' daughter and others that were raised from the dead. But you see, Jesus is the only one who never died a second time. See, Jesus is still alive. 
All those who were raised from the dead died again. All of us will go to the grave one time in death. But you know what? We're all going to be risen to new life. Just think one day that the spirit which returns to the Lord, one day when when that great trumpet blast comes, the spirit and the body are going to be reunited together in the air. And guess what? You won't stink it. Because you'll have a glorified body. And I think of that, I, I start getting excited. This, this story about Lazarus, I, I read it often because it just reminds me so much of what the Lord is able to do. Church, you may think you're going through a difficult situation. You may think that the Lord doesn't hear you. You may think he doesn't care. But I'm telling you, he does. And he's going to show up and it's going to be on time. He's not going to be late. Think about it for a moment. Think about your situation right now for a moment and ask yourself, is the Lord late? Or am I just pushing him to hurry up? I always tell people when they talk about quitting their jobs and going to do other things outside of what I believe the Lord wants him to do. And I say, you know, it's funny that people always think the grass is greener on the other side. And somebody was telling me this. I, I think it might have been Diane. Said that the, people always see the grass is greener on the other side. But you know what? If you just watered the grass that's under your feet right there, you'd be on the greener side. Sometimes you need to maintain the ground that you're already standing on. You see, because if you start maintaining where you're at, you don't have to worry about what's on the other side. If Martha and Mary would have understood when Jesus said he was coming and they would have just waned instead of rushing to the undertaker and trusting what God said, they wouldn't have went through all of that. Sometimes we push the Lord. But if we wait upon the Lord, we shall behold the glory of God. Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you, Lord God, for your word. I thank you, Jesus, this morning for how you're taking care of us. Lord, I pray this morning that we would never rush you. Lord, may we by faith Step out and do what you've called us to do. May we wait upon you and rejoice in the glory of the Lord. Lord, for your time is perfect. You're never late. And Lord, this morning I ask that you would undertake in each one of our lives. Lord, I don't know what everyone's going through. I don't know their present situations. But Lord, you do. And that's all that matters. Lord, may you prompt their hearts. May you speak to them and let them know that it's not late. It's just not time. Lord, I pray that you would just have your way with us. Your humble sheep. 
Lord, continue to direct us and guide us. Lord, may we continually have our ears open and our hearts ready to hear that trumpet blast. Lord, that we would come forth when that call comes. And we'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's stand together. Lord, again, I pray, be that lamp into our feet, that light into our path. Go before us today. Lord, call us, lead us, direct us to go to those who are lost and hurting. In Jesus' name, amen.